Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Kids were little, you're driving in the car, and there's something develops in the back seat, uh, pushing, shoving, something or other, and inevitably, the statement that comes back is, he started it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever seen that happen? He started, you know, today we're talking about love, and it's part of our advent, and I just want to say, he started it. Because the truth is, that's where it comes from when we think about love. I, we read the passage, or Pastor Kim read it. I want to read it again, just in the New International Version. First uh, John 4, 8 to 12. <clears throat> says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a, uh, an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another and God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I, there's, there's five verses. The writer, John, uses the word love ten times. I think he's trying to say something. Uh, you know, when somebody keeps repeating something over and over again, they're usually trying to get a point across. And John's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who church and he's going like love, 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 love. Is that ten times? Love, love. He, but at the end of it, you should be get the point that he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to say something about a topic. He's trying to tell us about something and and in that word. And and, and I want you to hear today when we talk about love, when John's talking about love, he's not just talking about an action, he's actually talking about an event. He's talking about an event that demonstrates love. You know, love that is undemonstrated is really not love. Love without an action is really not love. It's just simply a feeling, and feelings don't do anything. Feelings don't accomplish anything. Love is, I, I had a conversation with one of my granddaughters yesterday. We were talking about love languages. And she was saying how she didn't think that gift giving should be a love language, because that's up to her. Um, that was, you know, she, she's, she, I think she's decided that she gets to determine what love languages are. And so she said, I, I, I don't think that gift giving should be a love language. So I said, well, you know, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. I said, when you, when you, when you talk, when, when you try to get somebody to know that you love them, what do you do? She says, well, I just tell them. How many of you here uh, affirming you, 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 you say it? That's your love language. Just say it. All right, there's four of you, That's and the rest of you are lying. Uh, this, we just say it. But here, here's the thing. She, I said, well, you know what? That's kind of cool that that's what happens. So let me ask you then, when I say I love you, does that mean more to you than when I give you a gift? She said, well, yeah, because when you give a gift, like, that doesn't mean anything. I said, okay, fair enough. Are you getting what I'm trying to get to you about? The way you tell, the way you express love to people is kind of the way you feel it. When people don't feel that love expressed to you that way, you don't feel it. I remember when we were first married, uh, we listened to a speaker and he was talking about his father 
who lived in, I, I believe in, uh, I was in Wisconsin. And if you're from the United States, Robbie, where are you? If you're from the United States, Wisconsin cheese is a thing, right? That's like the best cheese in the world. So his dad, they were living in Southern California. His dad always sent them a cheese platter at Christmas because it's Wisconsin cheese, cheese platter at Christmas. And the thing is, neither of them like cheese. And uh, after several years of this going on, they're going like, you know, I get this cheese. And then finally, all of a sudden, this light bulb went on in their heads. They went, you know what? I bet Dad likes cheese. He does, does he? Dad likes cheese. And so, so they said, so next Christmas, they got him a basket of cheese. And he called and said, that's the best gift ever. Right? Because we get love, we feel love in the, in, in the way. And so when Jesus came, he came to express love in a way that we would most feel loved. In uh, Luke chapter 2, you know, it's Christmas, so we have to read a little bit of the Christmas story. But it's all the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 to 7 says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the firstborn, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In 1 John, John tells us that God gave his son. God sent his son, and that son was Jesus. And so God defines, God starts love, and then defines it as an act of giving. That God would give, and in loving, that God would give his son to us, and that is an act of giving, that is his expression to us. In... Uh, David Jackman, in his, book, in, in his book called Living in the Love of God, he says, uh, if God is the source of all love, then whatever love a man has in him comes from God. And this part of his moral nature is of divine origin. There's this idea in the Bible that talks about that, it, that we are created in the very beginning in Genesis, that we are created in the image of God. The theological term people use is imago Dei, the Latin word for image of God. And the fact that we have this capability to love is a reflection of God. It's not innate, to, in, innate in our being. It's not innate to our, who we are, what we normally do. And I know that because I've seen kids on a playground. And uh, love isn't a natural thing for them. It's something that if left to their own nature, we would behave quite differently. But the love of God, the, the ability to love and the way that God loves and God loves us today is, is a reflection of the image of God in us. In 1 John 4, 19, we've already read it, but it says well, we love because he first loved us. Yeah. We love. Our love is a response to that. But, you know, God's love is not a reciprocal kind of love. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but human love, that love that's natural to us that we kind of develop, it's, it's sort of a distorted representation of God's love because we ex give something and expect something back. David Jackman says, he says, relationships in society are usually governed by reciprocity 
I'm nice to those who are nice to me. Jim invites me to lunch, I invite him in return. I borrow tools from Stan. No, actually everybody borrows tools from me. Borrow tools from Stan, and he borrows tools from me. Even sinners, Jesus once commented, love those who love them. That's, that's very ordinary. That's very natural to be nice to people who are nice to you. What's supernatural, what's unusual, is loving in a way that you don't get anything in response. That's what Jesus did. He sent love to us in a way that didn't require us to give him something back. So that means we can't earn it. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? If there's no reciprocity, if God doesn't give us, doesn't love us, expecting us to do something in return, then that means we can't earn it. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love to us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then there's this part of this verse that it says, God, in fact, is love. <clears throat> it's an interesting statement because rather than God just being loving, John says that that's actually who God is. God is love. You know, if, if, if I you know, go over to Tabor and say, Tabor, you're human. So pretty much everything you do is human. Pretty much everything that, every way you behave, everything you do is, is a human behavior because you're human. And so when John says, he says, God is love, he says that, that means that pretty much everything that God does, every way that God responds to us is a loving thing. It's a loving action that God loves us that way. So not just sending his son, but God just loves us in everything he does, which is pretty incredible. It's not a quality of God, but it's the existence, the essence of God. John 14, 9 says, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for so, such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say? Show us the Father. You see, when we see Jesus, we see God. How do we know what love is? We watch how Jesus lived. We watch what Jesus did. We see the love that he brought to the earth. And finally, because I'm not allowed to talk very long this morning because of the kids. It, the, the one thing that right at the end of this passage in 1 John chapter 4, right at the end of it, John basically says, he says, we've never seen God. And that's what we were just talking about. We've never seen God. But then he goes on to say, he said, but when you love each other, you're showing God. I have to be honest, when I read that, it, it actually challenged me quite a bit. If God so loved us, we ought to love each other. So... In that statement, there's something there that, that kind of challenged me because there's an equality in that statement. He's not saying you love some people better than others. As I was writing it down, I thought, you know, there's a bit of a problem here because we're supposed to love each other the same way God loves the entire world, but yet we kind of love some people better than others. I, I wrote down as I was thinking about it, I thought, if we really love all humanity as God did, here's a question, did God love Hitler? Did God love Stalin? Did God love Mother Teresa? Did God love Attila the Hun? 
Yes. Don't you feel like you have to qualify that? Yes, God loved them, but you're right. I feel like we have to qualify that because it's very uncomfortable for us. Does God love Russians as much as he loves Ukrainians? Does God love the Palestinians as much as he loves the Israelis? So those are important questions that we ask because there is this inherent equality in God that levels all playing fields. I read a book recently by author by the name of Mark Batterson. It's called How to Win the Day or Win the Day. And he points out in that book that we, we tend to view the world as we are. So it's easier to love people who are like us. And yet God's very statement that he loved the world, that, that when we love like he loves, when we love each other, that we're actually, that's where God is shown. God says, I, I choose not to make myself obvious. I choose rather to make myself subtle through your actions. I would rather people see me in you than have a vision of me. And then he would see that we would show God in our actions of love towards each other. Not just at Christmas. As a local leadership team, uh, we were talking about how we would do something in our community at Christmas, and we had gotten a request from Metro, and they said that they'd lost a bunch of their funding, and we wanted to help out whatever way we can, and so we're collecting breakfast food. They said, that's a big need for us right now. Serve a lot of people breakfast. I think it's a great thing. But we intentionally, as we set that up, we said, look, we don't want to do it so it ends today. Because giving at Christmas time is easy. Because everybody's doing it. You walk into, you walk out of Walmart, you walk out of Superstore, there's the Salvation Army, and you scan your phone, and there's the, you know, the donation. It's easy. Everybody's doing it. It's, it's, it's kind of the thing to do. But I know from experience that what happens is in January, everybody stops giving. Everybody stops loving practically. So he said, let's, let's extend it. Let's make it the end of our time of prayer and fasting. And that's not accidental. That it's the end of prayer and fasting because, if, I don't know, some of you took our fasting course a few weeks ago. And if you haven't, I, I really encourage you to catch up on it and get it on our uh, YouTube channel. But one of the reasons, as we went through the fasting course, one of the reasons to fast is to stand with those who are poor. When we say, hey, I voluntarily give up so that I identify with. And we thought, wow, how cool would it be that as we take that last week, as we pray and fast, that we make the culmination of that a declaration of standing together. I think this is a challenging verse. I, I think John is actually really, really challenging, and I don't think I've even begun to do it justice this morning. But the challenge to love in a practical way all the time is so big. So big. It's easy to talk about love at Christmas. It's harder to love the rest of the year. But yet, that's what God did. And that's what we're grateful for today. Truth is, as John says, and 
I'll just close with this before we sing just a couple more songs together. He says, the person who loves knows God because God is love. To really love and to be able to love in the way that God does is we have to come into cooperation. We have to come into connection. We have to come into, into relationship with God that allows us to love in that way, to let, touch the world and to love the world in the way God did. You know, sometimes in our secular society and in our world today, it's hard to even think about, we don't think about the effect that God has had or that Jesus' birth has had. We see Christmas as something entirely different. In fact, I'm sure if you ask most people, they wouldn't see Christmas as the birth of a baby in the manger, but it's when Santa shows up. <laughs> and, that, and, and, and that's what our world's seen. But when you stop and think about it, there's been no other event in world history that's had such an impact. We say, well, we don't notice it here, but do you, do you realize that a quarter, one quarter, fully one quarter of the world's population are Christians? It's a big part of our population. That's a big impact from somebody's birth 2,000 years ago. Most schools, most hospitals, most uh, charitable type events have all begun because of church, of those trying to love the way God did. They, they, they weren't a creation of secular society. Their creation of the love of God. Today, as I ponder what God's done for us, I, I really encourage us to think about how in this next year, how we think about how we can love each other and the world around us with the love that only God can give us. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.